Yo, all you happy innovators out there, how you doing? Are you hanging in there? Good. You know, I hope, I hope that after I did that singularity about my friend Eric, that you did me a solid and you went and checked out his channel. I hope you did. It's not a big deal if you didn't, but I hope that you did. Today I am going to talk about custody of the senses. Now this is a very important topic, I think. And I would guess that it's probably a topic that you're not going to hear too many other people talking about. Especially nowadays. Anyway, custody of the senses is the practice of controlling your senses, especially your eyes, in order to preserve your being and your general peace of mind. And it's kind of based on the premise Okay, that nothing is in your mind that was not first in your senses. Okay, you got that? Nothing is in the mind that is not first in the senses. I mean, basically, a sensory experience produces thoughts in the mind, and thoughts potentially become desires and desires potentially become actions okay now this conversation or this discussion is really more of a philosophical discussion it revolves around philosophies okay and worldview all right So, okay, I understand that there are a lot of people who do not believe in a spiritual or like invisible realm um, that interacts with our world, okay? I understand that a lot of people are just simply undecided or indifferent about the spiritual realm, okay? But I believe in the spiritual realm. I believe that there is a invisible element to human existence, okay, that we have to deal with. And it deals with us, too, whether we believe in it or not. And, you know, frankly, with all due respect to everyone, I really have a hard time accepting when somebody does not believe that there's some kind of spiritual something that is part of the human experience. Okay? I just don't understand that. It boggles my mind. Okay. So... Having explained that, I'm going to go right ahead with this discussion because 
I do believe in the invisible and I do believe in the spiritual realm. Now, custody of the senses is really about your input, okay? Like what you take in from your environment, okay? But I think that this discussion has to go past that a little bit and go to the idea of output as well, okay? Like, uh, let's say I'm a responsible adult. I'm starting to practice custody of my senses, right? Because I want to maintain a certain amount of uh, virtue and dignity in my mind, okay? Which basically means I'm consciously avoiding or omitting negative material from being seen by myself or being heard by myself or whatever. Maybe even tasted, okay? Because that's a sense too, all right? Because if we use food as an analogy for this idea, for this discussion that we're talking about right now, if you eat food that is garbage, that is just not good for you, okay? You're going to feel it in your body. There's going to be a physiological or a physical reaction to that bad food. And why would you eat garbage food when you could have high-quality, nutritious food? If you're a logical person, in my best estimation, ultimately, you would logically choose the better, healthier food if you were a responsible person, okay? And that same kind of practice can be applied to the things that you allow yourself to see and the things that you allow yourself to hear as well as the things you allow yourself to eat. You follow me? And so over the past few years, maybe, I've started to apply a great deal of importance to my custody of the senses, okay? I try to govern what I hear and what I see and I try to protect my being by choosing what to look at and what not to look at, okay? Now, I try to, and that's the key phrase here, I try, because it's very, very difficult to do that, especially nowadays in the information age, okay? It's really hard to find content that is positive and not negative in some way. Now, I understand, too, that it's human nature to want to look at the, the gory thing or the shocking thing. It's the whole idea behind rubbernecking on the freeway, right? Like when the traffic is so backed up and so slow because there's an accident. And when you get to the scene of the accident and you find out that traffic isn't slow because 
there's an accident blocking the roadway. Traffic is slow because people slow down at the accident scene trying to see something and they can't turn away. I mean, it's just human nature, right? So I'm guilty of that myself and and I try to curb that as much as I possibly can. Okay? I try to. And it's hard to do. Especially now with all information being available at all times on the internet. It's really difficult to discern sometimes or to make the better choice when choosing something to watch or listen to. Kind of like with food, I guess. Uh, You know, it's a lot easier to eat a hot dog. I mean, they're great, right? Or ice cream. But it's not really good for you. It tastes good, but it's ultimately not really that good for you. You'd be serving yourself better as a living organism by foregoing the hot dogs and ice cream and, you know, eating Brussels sprouts and chicken. Okay? And that sucks because, you know, ice cream and hot dogs are good. They're good, you know? And, you know, my heart goes out to the younger generations that are coming up because when I was a kid... Man, you know, pre-internet, pre-computer, it was hard enough already. But can you imagine what it must be like to be a young person now? I mean, it has to be just overwhelming, overwhelming to have access to absolutely everything at all times, anything. Think about that. It just has to be overwhelming. I would submit that it's stacked against them. You know, that this uh, this access to knowledge about everything is not always such a great thing. I mean, think about it. You know, wouldn't your life be better if there were certain things that you never saw or certain things that you never heard? I mean, think about that. Would it have been better for you to never have even heard certain things or seen certain things? What a great question, isn't it? That's a great question. You know, a while ago, I saw this movie. Actually, no, I didn't see the movie. In all fairness, I watched the trailer, and that was enough for me, okay? But it was a movie called The Centipede, and it was just so disturbing. When I watched just the trailer, and I would recommend that you don't even go look at the trailer, okay? I know you will, because I've mentioned it, and... I probably shouldn't have even mentioned the name of the movie. But I would highly recommend that you avoid watching it, 
okay? Nobody needs to be loaded up with all those images. It's really that extreme and just that disturbing, okay? I wouldn't even call it shocking. It's like, it's not shocking. It's, it's going too far. And when I saw that movie trailer, that's what I thought to myself. We have crossed over now into some other realm. And man, really? Does it have to go that far? Is it totally necessary? You know, how is it benefiting anyone? You know, and my answer is there is no benefit to a movie like that. I won't even go into the details because it's just so disturbing. And yeah, okay, I don't know who the guy was that made the movie, all right? But I guess kudos to him because, you know, he he went further than the last guy and he raised the bar and he challenged the audience or something. Yay. But, I mean, at a certain point, don't we have to kind of decide for ourselves how far we want to go? Think about that. Okay, now I'm sure there are people that are listening to this right now that are saying to themselves, oh man, you know, you know, it's only a movie, right? But I would say that's bullshit because a lot of the time, especially nowadays with, you know, movies, (laughs) these movies look so real that it's like you're actually watching it happen. So what's the difference? I mean, you're still loading it up in your brain as an event, as something that happened. The effect that these kinds of things have on us is very subtle. And most of the time, we're not really paying attention. Okay, but I believe that over time, those things stack up. And they're going to manifest themselves somehow or in some way in your life. I mean, think about it. Every image you've ever seen, every word that you ever heard, every painting you've ever seen, every song you've ever heard, every emotion you've ever had, every feeling and every experience is stored somewhere in your brain. Our brains are like tape recorders. Once you hear something, or once you see something, you can't unhear it, and you can't unsee it. It's in there. It's a memory stored somewhere in your brain. We may not realize it, you know, because like I said, it's subtle. And, you know, we see something or we hear something and we take it in, And, you know, we might file it away somewhere in our brain and kind of forget about it and move on with our lives, okay? But it's in there. It's still in there. And you will carry that with you for the rest of your life, forever, until you die, and maybe even beyond that. Think about it. You know, this is not the same thing, but I kind of put it on the same level as this, okay? Um, 
you might remember when Dimebag Daryl was shot and killed on stage, right? A fan got up on stage and shot him and killed him, right? And when that happened, everybody was like, oh my gosh, that's so terrible. And I thought to myself when I saw that, whoa, that has never happened before. We have now crossed over into some other thing where performers can be shot and killed on stage. And let me tell you something, folks. That is a canary in the coal mine for all live performers because now that's on the table. That kind of thing can happen. Like, don't write the wrong song or say the wrong thing and have some nutter jump up on stage and come after you. It has gone too far when it goes there. Okay? And this movie trailer, this movie, The Centipede, it's on the same level. It's cinema, but it's on the same level. Like, whoa. Really? Like, what kind of an asshole would make a movie like that? Like, what is this shit? And you know... Since I've started to try to practice custody of my senses, I've grown to actually resent some of these creators, and I've started to actually question their motivations. Like, what are they making this stuff for? What compels a person to make something like that and then foist it onto the public? Think about that. That person who made that film had to either be of such bad will towards you and themselves even while they were making it. I mean, think about that. Like creating something that will actually do harm to the people that will hear it, read it, or see it. It's a form of manipulation, if you really think about it. But manipulation in, like, the worst kind of way, you know? A mean-spirited way. Think about how bad your will has to be to do something like that. Now, this custody of the senses thing, okay goes both ways, in my opinion, okay? Just as much as I control, uh, you know, what I'm taking in to my being, what I'm loading myself up with, or not loading myself up with, okay? There's a responsibility there for myself, okay? And it's logical, okay, and reasonable to guard your senses, Okay, And at the same time, as an artist and as a creator, I feel that I have a responsibility to you and a sense of accountability. Now, accountability to what or to whom? Well, now we're back to that philosophical or, dare I say, spiritual conversation. Because I believe that I will be held accountable for what I create. 
Now, you may not believe that, and you may not feel the same way. You may feel that there is no spiritual connection to creating art and music and things like that. But I would offer a different perspective, okay? I believe that there is real harm and there is real good that can and will come from what you create. And you may not believe that, okay? But, you know, go ask Led Zeppelin, you know, if what they were doing was a spiritual endeavor, okay? Go ask any of the great artists of history if what they were doing was, in some way, a spiritual endeavor. I used to know this guy, okay? And he was always talking to me about how music was unimportant and of no consequence. It it didn't really change anything, okay? But honestly, (laughs) when I think about that guy... He was like one of the stupidest people I've ever met, okay? And I thought that for a whole host of other reasons, okay? But when I think about him now and the things that he would say, I just, yeah, I acknowledge to myself, okay, this guy was a dope, okay? Because you have some of the greatest thinkers of all time that weigh in on the importance of music on a civilization. You have Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, you know, weighing in on how serious of a business making music and art is. It's central to civilization and culture. All right? Now, here's what Plato has to say about music. And I quote, Musical innovation is full of danger to the state. For when modes of music change, the fundamental laws of the state also change with them. I would teach children music, physics, and philosophy, but most importantly, music. For the patterns in music and all the arts are the keys to learning. Music is a moral law. It gives soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, a charm to sadness, gaiety and life to everything. It is the essence of order and lends to all that is good, just, and beautiful. That's Plato. Here's what Aristotle has to say about music. And I quote, Music directly imitates the passions or states of the soul. When one listens to music that imitates a certain passion, he becomes imbued with the same passion. And if over a long time he habitually listens to music that rouses ignoble passions, his whole character will be shaped to an ignoble form. Aristotle, talking about music. And here's what Socrates has to say. 
and I quote, Musical training is a more potent instrument than any other, because rhythm and harmony find their way into the inward places of the soul on which they might fasten, imparting grace and making the soul of him who is rightly educated graceful, or of him who is ill-educated ungraceful. Socrates. And so, now I ask you the question, is creating music and art really important? The answer is yes. It's very important. It's very serious business. I believe that creating art, any kind of art, painting, music, film, photography, poetry, writing, any kind of creative endeavor is linked somehow to the spiritual, whether you believe it or not, or whether you understand that or not. And I guess I would ask you, if you don't believe in the spiritual, you don't believe in anything I'm talking about right here, then when you are creating something, what are you actually doing then? I believe that as a creator, I have a responsibility to you and I will be held accountable for what I create. And I believe that I should guard my senses as well. I believe that I should pay attention to what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing. And I have reached a point at the age of 46 where I just don't want to be loading myself up with all that negativity anymore. I don't want it in my brain. And you may disagree with me and you may not believe anything that I'm saying. Okay? And that's fine. You know, there's going to be a lot of people who will watch that movie I was talking about and they will applaud and they'll be like, bravo, he has pushed the limits, you know, and I'm not one of them. And there's nothing wrong with pushing the limits. I mean, that is the essence of creativity, isn't it? Right? Like, uh, you find an edge and you go past it, you push it. But my question is, why does it always seem to be the negative edge that's being pushed? Okay, there's plenty of frontier on the positive end of things. And, you know, avoiding negativity is not escapism, you know, it's not hiding behind positive things or something. It's just a decision to discern what I allow myself to take in, or at least try to, you know. At least consider for a moment whether I want to watch something or hear something at all. I don't know. And you know, a lot of creators and artists and all that would listen to what I'm saying and they would shout me out of the room for even bringing it up. Like it's a form of censorship, but it's self-censorship. It's 
taking control and having a sense of responsibility and common sense and reciprocity for crying out loud. You know? There are certain things you will never hear me do, you'll never see me do, because I have a sense of responsibility towards you and a sense of accountability for what I create. The aim is to put positive things into the world, not negative things. I mean, life is hard for everyone. Things are tough all over, and everyone is striving, okay? Why would I ever want to consciously make anything more difficult for people? I don't. I don't want to make anything difficult for you, for me, or for anyone. I try to make things that will be positive and help people in any way that I can. I don't wish harm on anyone. I am trying to make things that are positive. I am trying to contribute positive things to the world. And shouldn't that be our aim? I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. Isn't that what you're trying to do? Isn't that what we should be trying to do? My answer is yes. And you don't have to believe me. You don't have to agree. But that's how I feel. Custody of the senses. Taking control and responsibility for what I allow myself to take in through my eyes or through my ears, through my senses, and having a genuine sense of responsibility and accountability for what I create and what I release to the public. And that's all I really want to say about that for now. I guess I've covered it pretty good. Custody of the senses. So with that, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.